Okay, so I need you to be honest with me right about now. Like really, truly, brutally honest. Are you over this year yet? Like honestly, how many of you listening right now are truly over 2020? You're just ready. You're ready for a brand new year to start. You're just, you're done. If that's you, can I just challenge that assumption a little bit? Because what if the increased pressure in all of the craziness that the past several months has brought on the whole world and on your life is actually the fastest and the most effective way for you to increase your capacity? Today, I want to give you three ways, three ways that being overwhelmed and under pressure can make you a more effective leader. My name is Adam Shaw, and this is The Restorations. Well, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Truly, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. It is an absolute honor to be able to speak to you every other week. Thank you so very much. I just want to say thank you to all of those that are subscribing on your favorite podcast app, whether on Spotify or Apple or one of the bajillion other apps that are out there for listening to podcasts. Thank you so much for subscribing. And if you are not a subscriber yet, it really takes no effort. You just got to go hit that subscribe button. And while you're at it, go ahead, turn on that notification button as well so that you will get a notification every time that we release a new episode. Also, thank you for sharing the restorationist. I, I have been not posting so much about the podcast on social media, but trying to push back a little bit from the wild vortex that is Instagram and Facebook for the past little bit. And uh, one of the things I've noticed is that despite the lack of promotion on my part, our numbers, our, our listenership has not dropped like at all. And that's because of of all of you, you are sharing an episode that is meaningful to you, to your friends or family, and continually helping us get the word out. So thank you. Thank you so much. I also, I can't give too much away. I've kind of been, you know, teasing it out there a little bit in, in some past episodes, but I am working on a book. I have uh, some stuff drafted already, but it's still very much in its infancy. But I want to let you know that, yes, I am writing a book on how to increase your capacity. It is a leadership book. It's geared for those that are in leadership or aspire to lead and influence others. And uh, and so I'm working away on that. And I'll let you know more, give you more updates as we move forward. But I'm so super, super excited to write this resource and get it in your hands in the future. So today, I want to give you three ways that crisis, pressure, problems, actually make you a better leader. Because while it's very uncomfortable, while crisis and pressure and pain and trouble, they're all very, very uncomfortable, they may be the very thing, the very thing that skyrockets your effectiveness as a leader. I truly, honestly believe that, that pain and pressure have the ability to dramatically increase your effectiveness and your capacity as a leader. But first, before I get into those three ways, the, the three main ways that I, that I see, I want to give you one caveat. I want to give you one buyer beware statement. And it's this, crisis and pressure will only grow you if you allow it. So the things I'm about to give you today, they're not automatic 
They're not automatic at all. In fact, you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional with how you handle your pressure, with how you handle your pain or your crisis, your trouble, whatever you're in. You must be intentional at recognizing the opportunity that may arise in your adversity. You have to be looking for the opportunity that's going to pop up in your adversity. Or if you're not able to recognize the opportunity that is coming up in the moment of pressure, you have to at least look for the chance that one may arise in this current crisis, in this current problem, at some point. And so I need to keep my eye out for it. See, here's what I truly and honestly believe. If you want to increase your capacity as a leader, you must embrace, not run away from pressure. You must embrace, not run away from extreme pressure and trouble and pain. And I, and I think I got biblical precedent for this. I think I'm not just standing on, you know, really good leadership research, but I also feel like I've got precedent from the Bible, from the word of God on this, on this idea I'm presenting to you here today. See, we all know the story of David and Goliath, right? Shepherd boy meets nine-foot-tall gigantor freak, you know, a guy who had been fighting since he'd been a kid, and he's screaming in the valley, give me a man that I may fight, and if he kills me, we'll be your slaves, but if I kill him, you know, you'll be our slaves forever, and nobody wanted to take him on except for David. Right. And so David's, you know, he's come to the valley to visit his brothers and give them bread and, you know, cheese and, you know, snacks, I guess, because they were hungry at the battlefield, hungry from hiding from Goliath. And he wanted to go fight this giant. And they bring him before King Saul and they're like, dude, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are that you have the ability to go out and, and fight this person and you are a farm boy? David's justification was that he had already fought lions and bears. And I remember reading that story the other day, and I was like, say what? He's like, your servant had fought already fought lions and bears and slew them in the wilderness while taking care of my father's sheep. And we just gloss over that part of the story because the sensational part is when he throws a rock at the big guy's head and then cuts his head off with the giant's own sword. But we totally shouldn't gloss over these statements. See, these hair-raising encounters that David had with lions and bears and other predators were the training ground for the battle that he would one day fight with Goliath. They were increasing his capacity and equipping him for the day that he would face a giant. They were all preparatory steps that God had laid in his path pressure-filled moments, panic-filled moments, pain-filled, where he had to rise to the occasion and embrace the pressure that was in front of him so that one day he would have the skills and he would have the capacity to be a giant killer. See, everyone wants to kill a giant while the world watches, but nobody wants to fight a bear alone in the woods. I mean, isn't that the truth? I mean, we all want it, like we love that triumphal moment, right? You can almost hear like the movie score music in your head as David, and this is like, I guess, super macho and uber violent, but he's there waving around the severed head of the giant or at least holding the bloody sword up in the air and we can hear the thunderous ah, of the crowd in the background as, as Israel comes out from behind their rocks and under their trees and takes on the Philistines and, you know, David was the guy that made that. We all want to be that guy. 
But absolutely nobody wants to get jumped by a grizzly bear in the woods. Nobody does. Nobody wants to be alone with farm animals and have to fight off a pack of mangy wild dogs. Nobody wants to do that. But the thing is, the only way that David would have had the skills or the confidence to take down a giant is through regular scraps with lions, bears, and other sorts of drama. And it's the same with you too. If you ever want to have those triumphal moments where a decision you make or a stand you make or a message you preach or speak or, or, or a way in which you lead has the ability to dramatically turn the tide of a generation, you've got to be willing to embrace the pain and the drama of fighting the bears and the wolves alone in the woods. I believe that if you want to increase your capacity, you must increase your threshold for pain. It's just That's just the way it is. You've got to increase your threshold for pain. If you want to become a better leader, you've got to let life beat you up a little bit. You just do. See, many people don't fully grow into the into the individuals, the men, the women that God has designed for them to be is because they run away at the first sign of trouble. They really do. They run away at the first sign of trouble. And if you want to increase your capacity in crisis moments, if you want to be a leader that grows in crisis moments, you cannot, hear me, you can't quit early. You just can't. You've got to embrace the moment. So, with that caveat in mind, like this only works, this content that I'm, I'm about to give you today, that this only works if you let it work, if you embrace it. Let's immediately begin to move into the three ways that trouble increases your capacity. The three ways that pressure can increase your capacity. First, Pressure brings accelerated growth. If you embrace the pain, if you embrace the trouble, pressure has the ability to bring about accelerated growth. So discipline and good habits, this is really important. Discipline and good habits, they bring incremental growth. And that's really, really good. That's how most change happens. That's how most of the change in your life and in your leadership is going to happen. But periodically, you will face moments of tremendous stress, pain, and pressure. And pressure brings not incremental, but exponential, accelerated growth. Pressure, with all of its discomfort and fear and painful moments, really does have the ability to slam its foot on the gas pedal of your life so that you are able to go further, faster, and grow in an accelerated amount of time. Like, let me, let me give you an example here. Let me give you an example from the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, after the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that that people were being baptized and they were added to the church daily such as should be saved. There's addition to the church. The church is being added to. But in Acts chapter 8, trouble arises. Saul of Tarsus all of a sudden comes up. And he starts persecuting the people and he orchestrates the martyr of Stephen. And as a result of his martyrdom and the persecution that Saul is bringing, believers are, are scattered 
everywhere. Families are ripped apart and men and women are thrown into prison. It is an awful time to be a Christian in the book of Acts. It's just, it was an awful time to be a Christian in, in, this, in this period of Acts 8. Just people were being driven from their homes, most likely in cities and towns that they had lived their entire lives. People were transient. They didn't have airplanes or cars. You can just, you know, pack a cube truck up and, and drive to the other side of the country and leave. No, often people would live in the town that they were born and raised in. They had deep, deep roots. But now Saul of Tarsus is coming in Acts 8, and he's, he's driving people from their homes and from their businesses. Surely this is the end, right? Well, I'm assuming you've read the Bible before, so you, you don't know it's, it's not the end. Because you leave Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 9, the Bible says that the church multiplied. Isn't that crazy? In Acts chapter 2, when everyone's going, what does this mean? And they were cut to the heart and saying, you know, men and brethren, to the, you know, the rest of the apostles, what, what must we do to be saved? You know, people were being added to the church. But now Saul of Tarsus is literally burning their lives to the ground. And instead of stopping the Acts church, instead of stopping the early apostolic church, it's almost like pressure poured gasoline on an already raging fire and made it bigger, better, more effective than it would ever be because the church went from addition to multiplication. The church exponentially grew under persecution. And I want to let you know, you can too. You absolutely can. Growth can be accelerated in you, even in the most difficult of times. Let me give you a few ways that you can experience accelerated growth under pressure. If you are a leader of a group, youth group, Sunday school class, or even a whole local church, you have the ability to accelerate your growth in two ways. Number one, you can grow in number. Some people have experienced that. They have grown in number. All of the shutdowns, all of the restrictions has, has made them more aggressive in evangelism. People in their area have become even more hungry for God. And as a result, more people are coming to church than ever before. Maybe that's not you, though. Maybe you're not growing in number. But you can grow in depth. Sometimes pressure can prune people out of your church just as quickly as it adds people to your church. And that's okay too, as long as the core group is growing deeper in their walk with God. So that's one way you can experience accelerated growth. Yeah, you may have people dropping off, but those who are there, if they are growing deeper in their faith and they're becoming more committed disciples, you are experiencing accelerated growth. You can also grow yourself at an accelerated rate during times of pressure and crisis and trouble. How? Well, you can increase your resilience. You can increase your resilience. That's just is, is like a fancy Dr. Phil way of saying you're going to get tougher. One of the ways that, that crisis can make you a more effective leader is that it makes you a tougher leader, a more resilient leader. That doesn't mean that you're hard-nosed or you lack empathy, but that you stop being so insecure. You, you become ignorant of fear, disrespectful 
of fear. There's something about like really scary moments in life and crisis moments in life that make you ignorant of the things that would make you freak out before. Like for for example, in, in my own life, I'm gonna use a lot of personal examples, not because I have it all figured out, because man, I don't, but because it's really the only story that I can I can truly speak of with any sort of authority. I remember when my wife got cancer. And I remember when we thought she was gonna get it again. I have been present for all of my son's anaphylactic allergic reactions, where I've watched him struggle to breathe, where I've watched him begin to pass out in a car as we raced to a hospital. Seriously, I watched him in respiratory distress pass out like seven times on his way to a hospital as we pleaded with God to keep him safe. When you, when you hold your wife's hand and you walk in to, to see if, you know, another kind of cancer has returned, and, and when you are calling out to God as you ram an EpiPen into his thigh so that he can breathe again, when you go through stuff like that, all of a sudden regular life and leadership is just not that scary anymore. Like, because you've already experienced now much more scary things. So the rigors of life and regular leadership just don't mess with you anymore. They, they don't hit you in the same way that they used to. Because, well, your family is still healthy. Your son is breathing. Your wife is cancer-free. So what if there's a little drama? It doesn't bother me the same way that it used to. The value of a resilient leader in an organization, in a local church, on a team, in a family, cannot be overstated. Because here's one thing that I've, I've truly learned. Resilient leaders reject despair. They, re they reject despair. One of the things that I have been very surprised to see when I have been online during this time is the amount of leaders kind of shaking their fist at the sky, whether it's politics or, you know, COVID-19 restrictions. There just, there seems to be such an angst or anguish in the tone of dialogue on social media that the sky is somehow falling and everything will be ruined. Resilient leaders, hear me, reject despair. They don't despair. They're not delusional. They're, they admit reality. They're able to say, this set of circumstances is not ideal. In fact, it's really bad. It kind of stinks. But in the face of overwhelming odds, they are able to move forward with a gritty hope, a gritty faith. They're able to soldier on. They don't throw up their hands and cry out that the sky is falling. They reject any sort of despair and they move forward in faith, full of hope. Resilient leaders are powerful leaders because they're able to stay calm in the face of pressure. But let me tell you something. You cannot develop, develop resilience until you are in crisis yourself. Resilience is not something you can develop until your resolve is actually being tested. 
And can I, I just say this, just if I, if I can go on a tangent for a moment, if you keep having an existential crisis or a crisis of faith every time you run into problems and you can't figure out why your life has been so full of problems for the past X number of years or months, perhaps God is trying to teach you resilience and God will keep letting drama run in and out of your life until you learn how to move forward with a gritty and hopeful faith as opposed to stopping and being paralyzed by fear and depression. So let this crisis, whatever it may be, the one that you find yourself in right now, allow it to grow you as a leader by increasing your resilience. There are all kinds of other ways that your growth can be accelerated, your capacity can be increased through accelerated growth as a leader through pressure. Another way is Pressure can grow you by forcing you to learn new skills, learn new things. There's an old saying that says, necessity is the mother of invention. My dad's been saying it to our church for the longest time since we've been in and out of varying restrictions due to COVID-19. Necessity is the mother of invention. He's been repeating it to our leadership team. And I looked up what that phrase means. And according to Cambridge uh, Dictionary, the meaning of that phrase is, if you really need to do something, you're going to find a way to do it. Pressure has a way of forcing you to innovate. It seems like when life is good and life is comfortable, you can just, you know, sail on with what you know or what you already are familiar with. You're, you don't feel that, that push to do something different. But let trouble come. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in full creative swing. It's human nature. It's just the way we are. For example, did you know that World War I, that, that horrible and awful traumatic conflict that the whole world was plunged into was actually the foundation or the seedbed of a host of inventions that we live by today. For example, blood banks. They didn't have ways to refrigerate and preserve and store blood, and doctors were not really used to giving blood transfusions. But in World War I, all of a sudden, they needed to find ways to store and distribute blood on the battlefield. Do you know that Kleenex was developed in the First World War? It was used in filters and gas masks. And, and uh, when men came home they would blow from the war, they would blow their nose in this Kleenex and would gross their wives out. But Kleenex discovered that this would be like a really cool way to pivot and find a brand new market. So they remarketed Kleenex as like a wartime protective device and, and turn it into a tissue. Kleenex, stainless steel was invented in World War I. So were drones, unmanned planes, drones. It was thought up in the middle of the First World War. Even, you know, workout, the workout Pilates, I guess it's a style or type of workout. I, I don't exercise much or at all, you know, really. But Pilates, Pilates was invented in the First World War. Why? Because pressure forces innovation. 
And if you don't find yourself learning a brand new set of skills or discovering a brand new idea, pressure has the way of forcing you to apply old principles or old skills in a brand new way. You never know if you can until you are forced to try. You just aren't. For example, I love project management. I love people leadership. I love, you know, creating processes. I love accomplishing goals and motivating a team and working with a group of people. But never in my life have I ever applied that to construction. And, and Stephanie and I have talked about it in the uh, podcast series that we did a little while ago that we were working on a house that our church owns that needed to be put up for sale. It, it was this rental property. And I was given a task of gutting a house that was built in the 70s and getting it ready to be put on the real estate market in less than five weeks during a global pandemic and while I was also managing the least facility that our church is in because we are displaced from our current building. I was like out of my depth. You got to understand, like I'm the kind of guy that, you know, my first day of shop class in the seventh grade, I got my eyes flushed out twice. I am not very handsy. I'm not I don't have a lot of construction skills. I'm I'm like a words and ideas kind of guy. That's just at least that's the identity that that I wore, but I find myself in a role in my local church as executive pastor where my whole job is managing projects, executing vision and getting things done, and now we have this colossal project in the middle of a hot real estate market that if we sell this house and we get the right price for it, we can raise in one day the kind of money that it would take a church of our size two years to raise if we were to do a capital campaign. I was out of my depth, and I had this job and this really this really important role. And, and you understand, like like I said, I'm not one of those guys that you know gets up and says like I could have been a contractor or an engineer, but the call of God, or I I could have played football. But the call of God, you understand, I've been preaching since I've been 16 years old. And I've been involved in pastoral leadership since I've been 19. Like, this is like, this is what I do. Like, my prior jobs were like retail management and working in the sports nutrition industry. Like that, that's what I did prior to church. I'm not saying that to devalue who I am. I'm just being honest with you. I was out of my league. I was out of my depth. So what did I have to do? Well, I could have thrown up my hands and said, like, I can't do this. Find somebody else. Pass the project off to somebody else. Or I could say, what do I know how to do? What am I gifted to do? And how can I apply those skills to this current project? And I realized that, yes, it was it was a house that needed to be gutted with primarily volunteer labor in under five weeks. It was going to be working with trades that I am not familiar with the intricate workings of those trades and how much all these types of things cost to, to get done. But I do know that I'm really good at managing projects. I'm really good at, you know, uh, setting goals and I'm really good at working with people and I can get stuff done. 
And so whatever technical skills I don't have, I can learn, I can read, I can ask questions, I can talk to a friendly old guy at Home Depot, or I could at least find a video on YouTube and everything else is going to be me applying skills that I already have into a brand new context. So that's what I did. I Gantt charted the renovation project and the house is up for sale. We finished it on budget and got it to market on time and it's on market right now. And we're hoping that God's gonna find us the right, the right buyer. I learned I could actually do this. I learned that I actually have the requisite skills to do a project like this. Pressure forced me to take old skills and apply them in a brand new way. So to recap, how can trouble, pressure, increase your capacity as a leader? Number one, it has the ability to accelerate your growth. Let's move on to number two. The second way that trouble can help you increase your capacity as a leader is it helps you find your true limits. It helps you find your true limits. A good, stressful situation will take you to your true max. See, I love reading survival stories. And one of the things that I always find so incredible is that the human body is an amazing, resilient creation. There are stories of survival, of people that have gone through tremendous things or the, the human limitations, the physical and mental limitations of the human body were just taken to their maximum. Like a Swedish guy by the name of Peter who was stranded in a winter storm when going for a drive and he was found his car stuck in the woods and it was covered with snow and nobody knew where he was and he didn't have a cell phone on him. And he survived for two months in his car, stranded. Two months in his car, living only on snacks that he had on him, along with a couple of handfuls of snow a day. How hardcore is that? Stranded and lived in his car for two whole months with nothing but like the snacks he had lying around his vehicle and handfuls of snow. Or the story of like, 56-year-old Rita from British Columbia, Canada, and she survived 56 days in the Nevada wilderness with only stream water, a little bit of trail mix in her backpack, and a little bit of candy. Stranded in the mountains, got hurt. Husband had to leave to go get help, and she was lost there for 56 days. And when hunters found her, she was coherent, she was conscious, and able to carry on a conversation. I mean, this is just wild to me, how these people were able to survive these harsh climates and harsh conditions and come out on the other side, conscious, alive, coherent. See, when you're brought to your true limits, you come to an honest assessment of who you really are. In moments of intense pressure, when you are truly worked to your max, the unfiltered, unvarnished you comes out. You are laid bare for all to see, most importantly for yourself to see. And sometimes, 
You've got to be brought to the end of yourself in order for you to know who you truly are, what you're truly made of, and in order for growth and change to occur. You're like, Adam, that's okay. We got a survival story. We got some sound bites here. What does that actually look like? What does that actually mean for me in the real world? Well, being brought to your limits reveals what is deeply dysfunctional in you. See, we got parts of us that we often hide. We hide to the world. We hide to our loved ones. Most of all, we hide it to ourselves. There are deeply broken parts in, dis- in, in every leader. I, I have yet to see one that has not gone through some sort of process to work on themselves that was not just naturally perfect, unblemished. There only was one that ever lived on the earth, and his name is Jesus. The rest of us are a little jacked up. And being brought to your limits has a way of chipping away at your facade and revealing what is broken, what is dysfunctional inside of you. It brings all of that stuff to the surface, all of those little insecurities, all of those fears and all of those hangups and your irritability, and it brings them to the surface so that they can be exposed and then fixed. The only way you get at that deep part of you is you got to get broken down first. At the same time, being brought to your limits will also reveal to you how strong you are. Your weaknesses will be magnified, but so will be your strengths. And when you're brought to your true max, and when you're forced into an uncomfortable position as a leader, you can find yourself doing things you never knew that you could do before. Also, when you learn your true limits, it gives you the ability to understand your personal signs of burnout. This is really important. Leaders can get burnout. Burnout is bad. Burnout is not good. Burnout is the collapse of of you as as a person for an indeterminate period of time. And hopefully with the help of God and the help of a great circle, you can put yourself back together again. But when you're brought to your limit and you, you have trained your mind to find the opportunity in the trauma, to find and recognize the, the opportunity to grow in the middle of the pressure, Being brought to your limits helps you learn and know your signs of burnout so that you can mitigate the damage next time you're under pressure. So you can put the right boundaries in place so that you don't find yourself getting all messed up. For me, because I I have been in several points in my life brought to my max, I know what my triggers or signs of burnout are. I know if I start getting really irritable and I start feeling just generally anxious, I'm just angsty about things, about life, about stuff that normally I would just, you know, go out and crush. But I'm feeling anxious and irritable about it. That lets me know, hey, I'm I'm flying a little close to the sun. I I have been I have put been pushing it a little too hard and and I'm gonna need a break. Because because I'm at my limits. I am at my true limits. 
it's gotten to the point where I, I have reflected and I have prayed and I've sought, you know, good godly pastoral counsel. And I know how many days that I am able to work before I burn out. I know that I have X amount of days without any time off before I, I really do need to take a break. I, and, and just, I'll let you know what it is. I'm probably too open on the podcast, but I know that I can push hard for 21 days without a break. And then I'm going to need three or four days to recover. Otherwise my emotions start getting out of whack. I'm just, I become irritable. I become, I feel angry and I just feel on edge. When I start to feel this way, I know I am at my limits. And this is so important and it's so helpful to you as a leader to know where your edge is, to know where where you begin to stray into burnout because then, then you can begin to put the safeguards in place so that you can be brought to your limit but not beyond to a place where you become an unhealthy leader. Finally, the third way that pressure and pain and crisis can increase your capacity as a leader is it helps you experience new levels of supernatural power. When you are brought to the end of yourself, that is when you will most see the power of God in its fullest display. See, traveling the world has taught me that unlike my brothers and sisters outside of North America or the Western world, very little of my life must be lived by faith. Like I used to think I lived by faith until I went to other countries that were developing or were classified as third world countries. I realized that so much of my life, I don't have to live by faith. If I get hungry, I can eat anywhere to excess, and I often do. If I get sick, I can go to the doctor. I can go to the hospital, and I can get great medical care, and I can get medicine and tests, and they'll figure out what's wrong with me. If I lose my job, even during COVID-19, Canada, we've got benefits galore so that you'll be taken care of because we have great social safety nets. In the rest of the world, that is not the case. And so when you get hungry, you need God to provide. When you get sick, you need God to heal. And if you lose your job, you need God to provide. And that is a world that most of us truly do not understand or at least have not deeply understood until now. But let your life get depleted and suddenly prayer and total dependence on God no longer becomes like a cute idea to sing about you know, in your very well-equipped sanctuary becomes the essential way that you live and function in the world. But in those moments when you are brought to the end of yourself, it's where you see the power of God. When you reach the end, the limit of your energy, of your creativity, your wisdom, 
your resources, when you got no more left, and I got a feeling, I sensed it in prayer, and I'm talking to someone today, you feel you're at your edge, maybe even a little over. You have no more left. But I want you to hear me. That's where God steps in, moves, and changes everything. There's a story in, in 2 Kings I reference all of the time on the podcast. It's the story of the widow and the oil. And it's it's the premise story that led me on to this whole capacity discussion in the first place. But that, but that widow in 2 Kings, and you can listen to How to Increase Capacity if you haven't listened to that episode yet, but that widow in 2 Kings, she had nothing left. Her credit, the creditors had come. Her husband is dead. She is about to lose her boys, and now she is forced to beg. But only then, only then if she had gone through all of those things and she is so completely broken down, only then did she get the opportunity to see the creative power of God on full display. Hear me, when you are at your limits, that's when you get to see God do the most. It's been it's been the story of my life. I remember a few times I, I, I preached some holiday youth conventions at the height of the cancer crisis that our family was in. I'm telling you what, like I saw incredible miracles, just powerful moves of God. I'd go back to my hotel room and I'd literally lie on the floor and cry and say, God, you got to help me get through another service as I feel like I got nothing left. And then the moment I would step up to the pulpit, there would be this surge of anointing and power. I watched a young man that in the moment where I was in the peak of my own family's health crisis, we prayed for a young man who had been in a car accident, barely walked away with his life. His knee was completely messed up, ribs broken, throw his crutches on the floor and run around a room worshiping God. I didn't do it. I was simply a guy that had been brought to the edge and said, okay, God, you got to take over now. And then God did. Is 2020 bringing you to the end of yourself? Is it really? Do you, are you feeling the pressure? Have you been feeling the pressure building and building and building? And maybe you have loved ones in the hospital with COVID-19. Maybe your church has been shut down. Maybe you haven't been able to connect with friends or family. The loneliness, the worry, it's all building feel collectively like 2020 is bringing us to the end of ourselves. Good. Good. It's great. Because this can only mean one thing. You, me, us. We are getting ready to see the power of God on display like never before. I want you to listen to me right now. And I know I probably say that phrase too much, but I, you do need to listen to me. Your greatest growth will always come from pressure. Your greatest growth, the things that make you the best leader that you can be, never come from a comfortable place. Always will come from pressure, pain, 
trouble. So embrace it. Embrace it. And let it accelerate your growth. Let it reveal your limits. And let it bring you to new levels of supernatural power. I want you to know I'm praying for you. I know God has great things in store for you. You keep the faith. You're going to be more than all right. You're going to grow. You're going to increase your capacity as a leader. God bless. Thank you for listening. Share this with somebody you know. You have a great, great day.